behold the present of Christmas. This is the time of year, I'm telling you, if you were to ask most children today, they could tell you how many days it is until Christmas. Matter of fact, not only can children answer that, so can parents as well. Children looking forward to the number of days as they count down so they could receive something that they really wanted to get. Parents counting down the days to say, oh, I've only got so much time to get it done. Behold the present of Christmas. In this series, this thing that we've been looking at, the word behold is really, really important. It means to pay attention. It means to take a look. It means to pay attention to what you're about to see. And so we're going to look at tonight, behold, the present of Christmas. How many of you in here, and I'm probably speaking to more uh, young people than I am adults because they just won't get honest. How many of you have already asked for something that you really want for Christmas? Let's see your hands. Man, look at them. They're going up. I mean, it. old people, young people all over the place, they're asking for them. How many of you can remember that Christmas that seemingly was special more than any Christmas you've ever had? That one Christmas when, behold, you got what you really didn't expect, but when you got what you wanted, it was incredible. Anybody remember that? Boy, I can tell you as a seven-year-old boy, I can remember my mom and dad, I'm asking them, Mom, I'm telling y'all, here's what I want for Christmas. I want you to give me a pair of those Hopalone Cassidy gloves. You know them gloves, them cowboy gloves that you, now I know I'm old school, but I'm just telling you, I wanted those cowboy Hopalone Cassidy gloves. And with that, I had to have a pair of six shooters that went with them. I mean, I had to have them cap busters that when you pulled them and you drew them and you pulled the trigger, man, they would go off every time. I mean, I'm looking at some of you smile. You know what I'm looking for. My mom had told me, she said, son, I think we can get that for you. Would you quit asking me? You've asked me 111 times. Don't ask me anymore. With that calm assurance that we probably would get them. I can remember Christmas Eve. I don't know about you, but at my house on Christmas Eve, man, we had a hard time going to sleep. I had two older brothers, and at that time I had a two-year-old sister. And that older brother of mine, I'm telling you, he would not go to sleep until wee hours of the night. He always wanted to try to catch what was going to take place and see what was going to happen as soon as he could. Anybody else in here been like that? Let's say, oh yeah, you're nodding. It'll happen this year as well in some of your homes. Well, on that night when it was finally time to get up, I ran in there to the tree and lo and behold, I want to tell you, those Hopalong Casty gloves were there. Those double pair of six shooters was laying right on them. But I'm going to tell you, there was something there I had not expected. There was something there more than I'd asked for. I'm going to tell you, there were two saddles and two bridles there beside the tree. Now, I'll be honest with you, I wasn't too smart and still not, but I knew that if there were saddles there, there had to be something to go up under them. I mean, there had to be something for them saddles to fit on. Man, I couldn't wait. I, I'm telling you, I couldn't stand it. I knew there had to be something four-legged. Danny, I looked around in my house. They were nowhere in there for sure, I promise you. But I'm going to tell you, my brother and I, we looked outside the dining room window, and there it was. There was that old bread truck that would painted green that my daddy took to make a motorhome out of to use as camping. Now, I'm going to tell you, that's before motorhomes came about. And I wondered what was that motorhome doing there. Man, all of a sudden, I heard the biggest neighing you ever heard in your life. I looked at my brother. He looked at me. He said, they're in that green truck. 
That's where they are. I said, they've got to be, don't they? That's where they are. I'm going to tell you, we opened the door. We bust out. It was cold. We didn't care. We ran out there and opened the door of that van, and there they were, a white one, just like Hopalong Cassidy had rode, and another one just beside it. I'm telling you, that was a Christmas of all Christmas. I had asked for a little, but I got a lot. I'm telling you, the present of Christmas always gives you more than you're expecting to receive. And so tonight, if you have your Bibles, I want you to take them and join with me. We're going to look in the book of Luke, chapter 2. We're going to begin reading there in verse 25. Luke, chapter 2, verse 25. And while you're turning there, Daniel, God bless you, brother. Thank you for tickling the ivories. I'm telling you, God is using you in an incredible way. Well, if you found your place and you're able to stand, would you join me? And standing as we read and honor the Word of God together. Luke chapter 2, beginning in verse 25. And behold, there was a man in Jerusalem whose name was Simeon. And this man was just and devout, waiting for the consolation of Israel. And the Holy Spirit was upon him. It had been revealed to him by the Holy Spirit that he would not see death before he had seen the Lord's Christ. So he came by the Spirit into the temple. And when the parents brought in the child Jesus to do for him according to the custom of the law, he took him up in his arms and blessed God and said, Lord, now you are letting your servant depart in peace according to your word. For my eyes have seen your salvation, which you have prepared before the face of all peoples, a light to bring revelation to the Gentiles and the glory of your people Israel. And Joseph and his mother Mary marveled at those things which were spoken of him. Then Simeon blessed them and said to Mary his mother, Behold, this child is destined for the fall and rising of many in Israel, and for a sign which will be spoken against. Yes, a word will pierce through your own soul also, that the thoughts of many hearts may be revealed. You may be seated for prayer. Heavenly Father, as we thank you for the present of Christmas. Thank you for the consolation of Israel, the Messiah. Thank you for our Savior. And tonight, as we look into this narrative, I pray, Holy Spirit of God, you would speak truth, truth that would challenge us, truth that would change us. Father, salvation has come in the presence of your Son, the Lord Jesus Christ. And may we not only receive it, not only may we have accepted it, but God, may we cherish it and share it with others. And we ask it in Jesus' name, amen. So here we are in this narrative that we come to behold the present of Christmas. Mary and Joseph have come to Jerusalem. It was the time of purification. It was the time for the ceremony to take place in which the Lord Jesus Christ would go through circumcision and he would receive his name Jesus, we all know that the angel has said, you shall call his name Jesus, for he shall save his people from their sins. And so time had come, and they're on their way to Jerusalem. They've come to Jerusalem, and all of a sudden, they've come expecting to do something that God had required to them by law in Leviticus 12, 2 and 8. There they were. They were to come and to bring an offering, a sacrifice, if you will, to redeem the firstborn son that had come from the mother's womb. And so what they had done, they had brought two turtle doves or two pigeons. I find it very interesting that here they were, they were come to redeem the Redeemer. There they didn't have a lamb to bring, but yet they were going to receive and brought the Lamb of God. 
Isn't it amazing that on this journey that they came to Jerusalem, there they had left Nazareth, now they're in Jerusalem, and now they're behold the present of Christmas. Oh, what a Christmas present it is when the redemptive price for Calvary, the redemptive price paid on Calvary would be for you and for me. It was there to purchase my sin debt, your sin debt, so that the true present of Christmas could bring joy into every heart. It would bring peace. It would bring love. I'm telling you, it would change lives forever. And so when I look at this uh, present of Christmas, the first thing that I want us to notice here is the recipient of the present. The recipient of the present. Who is it that is there to receive this present? Well, it is a man by the name of Simeon. Simeon is an individual that we're going to see some things about. But I want you to understand this is the only place in Scripture that you'll read about this man called Simeon. There are several things that we will notice about him. I find it very, uh, in, uh, uh, very interesting that when you look at Simeon, he's pictured as an old man. But he's not necessarily old. We don't know. The Scriptures don't tell us. It's just a, tradi a tradition. But there are several things that we do know about him. First off, what I want you to know about the recipient of this present is simply this. I want you to notice the character of the recipient. Notice the character of the recipient. When you look in verse 25, join me, it says, And behold, there was a man in Jerusalem whose name was Simeon. Now watch his character. There are three interesting characteristics that we'll see here. First off, it says there, he was a just and devout man. He was a just and devout man. You say, David, what is he saying there? That word just means righteous. It means that he did right what was in front of man but was pleasing to God. Isn't it amazing that you can be righteous and do what's right in front of man and pleasing to God? But there's something very else here I find very interesting about this word just. Not only was he just and righteous, the Bible says he was devout. That means that he had a reverence that was of all in him of who God really was. He was a man who walked, a man that walked before man doing what was right, and he was devout toward God because he reverenced him as the Holy One. Ladies and gentlemen, I'm telling you this characteristic about Simeon was very important. It was something that would help him as he came to Jerusalem that day, and he would be the one that would receive the present of Christmas, the Messiah, the Lord Jesus Christ. So the first characteristic we notice about here is that he was just and he was a devout. Not only was he just and devout, the second characteristic that I find about him is this. He was waiting for the consolation of Israel. He was waiting for the consolation of Israel. Now, the consolation of Israel is very important. It just simply means this, the messianic hope. He was looking for the Messiah. He was expecting to receive and see the Messiah. This word waiting that you notice, it says he was waiting there. Listen to me, friend. This verb is an active verb. It's not one of sitting around and doing nothing. This verb has a, it is an intentionality of expectancy. He was expecting to receive and see the consolation of Israel. Not only was he expecting to see it, he was eagerly anticipating the consolation of Israel. Just like on Christmas morning, just like on Christmas Eve, children are eagerly waiting. They're counting down. They're expecting Christmas to come. I'm telling you right now, when you look at Simeon, he was a man of faith. 
God had told him through the, through the Holy Spirit of God that he would not die until he saw the consolation of Israel. And he was waiting eagerly. He was expecting, I'm telling you, great anticipation would characterize this man. Yeah. And so here he was, looking for the Messiah. It is Christmas. People are counting down the days. Yesterday, I had an opportunity to be a part of a wedding. And at that wedding, I was going to be one of the officiants, and another man was going to be as well. Matter of fact, he was going to be the lead pastor of the bride in this wedding. Fifteen minutes before the wedding's to start, he is no long, nowhere to be seen. All of a sudden, the uh, groom comes in the door. He looks at me, and he says, Well, Pastor David, I just want you to know he's not going to be here. It's all yours. I hope you're flexible. I looked at him. I said, what are you trying to say? He said, look, I've been waiting a long time for this night. I've been dating her for five years, and I want you to know I'm expecting you to say I do. I said, well, I'm going to say I do. The question is, are you willing to say I do? So I looked at him. I said, how eager are you for this wedding? I said, do you want an Indian wedding? He said, what do you mean by that? I said, she want him, you want him, you got him. I said, you're married. Is that what you want? He said, oh, he said, I want more than that. He said, look, he said, I'm expecting you to do something wonderful tonight and pronounce we're married, husband and wife. I said, well, there's something you've got to do before then. He said, I've already done that. He said, I've been waiting. I've been praying. He said, I've been anticipating. I just need you to do what's right. I said, look here, young man. We're going to do what's right by the word of God. Now watch this. So we get there. We go through all of it. Now it's time to kiss the bride. And I said, I've got one question I want to ask you. And I know what he's thinking. He's thinking I'm going to ask him, are you ready to kiss the bride? I could see it in his eyes. J.R., I mean, he was ready. You know what? I mean, he was ready. I said, what's your favorite gun? I said, he's, he looked at me, what do you mean, what's your favorite gun? I said, well, all you said you ever wanted to talk about was guns, Pastor. Did he not say that's what he wanted to talk about? He said, I like all of them. I said, oh, you, can I ask you another question? He said, the one I want you to ask is the one I want you to ask. Ask it now. I said, what is the one you want me to ask? Now, this is live. Everybody said, he said, I want to know, can I kiss the bride? I said, do you want to kiss the bride? Yes, I've been waiting for you to tell me I could kiss the bride. I said, what's holding you back? Go ahead and kiss her. Watch this. Simeon had been waiting for a long time. He had been anticipating eagerly, expectantly, to see the consolation of Israel. I'm telling you, he knew that was the Messiah. He was characterized, I'm telling you, as a just man and a devout man. He was, he was characterized as a man looking for the Messiah. But number three, he is characterized as being full of the Holy Spirit of God. Notice what it says here in this passage of Scripture. It's very clear right there in the Word of God. And it says, and the Holy Spirit was upon him. The Holy Spirit was there. The Holy Spirit was going to use him. Folks, I'm telling you, before Pentecost, the Holy Spirit would come upon an individual for a specific task. You take Samuel and you take Saul. 1 Samuel 10, 10, what does it say there? Samuel is there. He's going to anoint Saul to be king. And he gave you some instructions. He said, and when the Holy Spirit 
comes upon you. You see, the Holy Spirit would come, and then the Holy Spirit would leave. And then on the day of Pentecost, when the Holy Spirit came as a mighty rushing wind, 3,000 souls were saved. Lives were changed forever. The Holy Spirit then came, and today he still does, fills every believer in Jesus Christ. And so we see that the Holy Spirit was there. We see that the Holy Spirit was very active in this individual's life. We see the characteristics of Simeon, the recipient of the Christmas present. But I want you to notice the conduct of the recipient. Notice Simeon's conduct. Notice what it says here in verse 26. It said, And it had been revealed to him by the Holy Spirit that he would not see death before he had seen the Lord's Christ. Watch this. So he came by the Spirit into the temple. And when the parents brought in the child Jesus to do for him according to the custom of the law. Here's what I find very interesting about Simeon. Simeon was an individual that was willing to do exactly what God had called him to do. He had walked in righteousness, obedience to God. He did exactly what God had called him to do. Simeon's heart was in tune with the Holy Spirit of God. And when it led him to the temple, guess what? Because he was willing to be obedient to the Word of God. He was being obedient to the will of God. He got to see the consolation of Israel, the Son of God. Amen and amen. His conduct was one that was marked by obedience. He saw the salvation of God. So not only do we see the recipient of the present, but number two, I want you to see the reception of the present. We see the reception of the present of Christmas. Notice, if you will, in verse 28. It says, and he took him up in his arms, and he blessed God and said. So I want you to get the picture. Here is Simeon. He's come to Jerusalem. We don't know where he came from, but he's in the Jerusalem. The Holy Spirit of God has led him to go into the temple. And so as he walks into the temple, he's expecting, he's looking, he's eagerly waiting the Messianic hope the consolation of Israel, the Messiah. And so while he's in there, all of a sudden, notice what takes place. There is the Lord Jesus, and he sees him there, Mary. He sees, everybody wants to leave him out. The forgotten man of Christmas, Joseph. There's Joseph, and there's the Lord Jesus Christ. There they are in the temple. And what I want you to notice is first off, he takes him into his arm in verse 26. He took him up in his arms and he blessed God and said, you know what happened? Here is an individual that is coming obediently, walking according to the Spirit of God. And now he receives, all of a sudden, there's reception of the present of Christmas, the consolation of Israel. And when he takes him after seeing him and he holds him, he breaks out singing and rejoicing. He just can't help himself. I mean, it's nothing but a song. This is one of five songs. If you look back in the book of Luke, that individuals or angels are singing. And all of a sudden, he comes and he begins to sing. There is personal rejoicing in his heart. He said, David, why is there personal rejoicing in his heart? Notice what he does here in verse 20 or 28. He blesses God. He is so excited about what he sees and what he is holding, he begins to bless God in a real, real way. Why? God has kept his promise. You know why we need to bless God? Because every promise that God's ever made has either been met or it's on its way. Amen? God has kept his promise. And so he begins to bless God. But I want you to notice something more important than that. Not only does he bless God, I want you to see begin what he begins to rejoice personally in. And I want you to notice in verse 
29. He says, Lord, now. I'd underline that word now if I were you. That little conjunction is very important, and I want you to see what it means here in just a second. Here's personal rejoicing. He says, now, Lord, now. You are letting your servant depart in peace according to your word. Do you know that Simeon had faith? Do you know he had faith in God? He had faith in the word of God. And all of a sudden now, he is rejoicing because he sees and he's holding the consolation of Israel, the Messiah. That word now means finally. It means I've been looking for this. I've been waiting on this. And it is finally here. That's what that boy did last night, at, I'm telling you, at that wedding. Whew, it's finally over. I said, no, son, it's just begun. I want you to know that's what it means. Whew, it's here. And then that word depart. Notice what Simeon does. He begins to rejoice. He's rejoicing, and he says, Lord, now you're letting your servant depart in peace. That word depart is a picture of a slave being set free. It is a picture of a sail being raised and the wind catching it and taking it away. You know what he is saying? He said, I can finally go in peace. I can finally die. I've got a peace that passes all understanding. God has kept his word, and I'm rejoicing. I have seen him. I have held him. God has kept his word. Now I'm on my way to heaven. Can I just say something to you? In a world where there's turmoil and misery, Simeon just simply says, it's through the Messiah that you'll have peace. I don't know what you're involved in today, but I'm telling you right now, when you receive the Messiah, the Lord Jesus Christ, there will be a rejoicing that will take place. Why? He had hope. His hope had been fulfilled. I love that little old song that says, my hope is built in nothing less than Jesus' blood and righteousness. Here was Simeon. He, I'm telling you, there is the reception of the present. It brings forth personal rejoicing. Not only does it bring personal rejoicing, but I want you to see something else here. I want you to see personal redemption. This present also brings personal redemption. Notice what he does here. He goes on in verse 30. He says, for my eyes have seen your salvation. For my eyes have seen your salvation. God had told him he would not die until he saw the consolation of Israel. He says, I'm, held, I'm holding him, and now I'm seeing him. He said, I want you to understand something. Your salvation is from God. Do you know what he says there? Your salvation. Let me tell you something, friend. Here's what people want to do sometimes. They want to figure out how they can get to heaven. Let me just say this to you. God's already worked all that out. There's nothing that you could do, that I could do, that could merit to earn our way to heaven. Amen? The forgiveness of sin. But God provided it all. And Simeon saw it, he held it, and he received it into his heart. Amen. He did. He received him into his heart. He said, I'll tell you, I see your salvation. Here's what I want you to know what he was really proclaiming. He was proclaiming his own master was working for his own redemption. Do you know that God, all the way back to Genesis 3.15, when we first started, God was putting in place the redemption of man. Galatians 4.4 says, at the appointed time, God. Can I just say this? God's always right on time. Amen? He is never late. And here we are, Simeon, 
led by the Holy Spirit of God, comes to the temple of God, there walking by faith in God, receives the Son of God, the Messiah, and there's personal redemption. Folks, I want to tell you something. He still redeems today. He still redeems those who are willing to receive him today. John would say in John 1, 12, but as many as receive him, to them gave me the power to become the sons of God, even to them that believe upon his name. I'm telling you, he had received the present of Christmas. There's personal rejoicing when he received the present of Christmas. There's personal redemption when he received the present of Christmas. But there's also personal revelation. Notice what he does here. He gets so happy. I mean, can you believe? He's breaking out singing. He's singing all this. I mean, I don't know what tune he's singing it to, but bless God, whatever it is, it's good. Amen. And so now he comes in the next verses of Scripture, and notice what he says in verse 31, which you have prepared before the face of all people. You know what he's saying there? He said, I'm telling you right now, when the redemption has come, it's not just for me personally, it's for the whole world. He's speaking globally about salvation. He's speaking about the good news of Jesus Christ. He says there it is to all people. Notice what Isaiah would say. Isaiah would say this in 52.10. He said, the Lord has made his bear, his bear his holy arm in the eyes of all nations and all, and, and all the ends of the earth shall see the salvation of the Lord. All the ends of the earth shall see the salvation of the Lord. Revelation 7, 9. Behold, a great multitude which no one could number of all nations, tribes, peoples, and tongues standing before the throne and before the Lamb of God. Ladies and gentlemen, I'm telling you right now, this salvation, this personal redemption that takes place is not only for you and I in this room tonight. It's for our neighbors across the street. It's for those that we work with that are across the aisle. I'm telling you, it's for our neighbors down the road. It is for those, I'm telling you, we're going to have meetings and celebrations with at Christmas. It's for family members that don't know the Lord Jesus Christ. It is for the man that is across the nation. It is a man across the sea. I'm telling you what Simeon saw was that what God had already said to the prophets, that when the Holy Spirit of God comes and when the Messiah is seen, when he's held, when he's received, I'm telling you, redemption comes. It's for the whole world. And so he sees in this reflection, this redemption is global. But not only is it global, there's something very interesting that you and I really need to pay attention to. Notice what it says in there as well. This a light to bring revelation in 32 to the Gentiles. <coughs> Ladies and gentlemen, you know what Simi is saying? God has not forgot those that are not of the Jewish lineage. God has remembered you, and he's remembered me. He is simply saying there that the light will come on, and we'll see ourselves as wretched sinners. We'll see our great need for a Savior. And I'm telling you, when the Holy Spirit of God brings forth great conviction of sin, of righteousness, and of judgment to come, I'm telling you, then we have an opportunity to acknowledge him as the Redeemer, the Lamb of God, the Messiah, the Savior of your soul and my soul as well. He said it's for the Gentiles. John 3, 16, for God so loved the world. Amen. 
What world did he love? The world of humanity. Romans 10, 9 and 10. If thou shalt confess with thy mouth the Lord Jesus and believe in thine heart that God has raised him from the dead, thou shalt be saved. For with the heart man believes unto righteousness and with the mouth confession is made unto salvation. I'm just simply saying exactly what Simeon is shouting and he's singing right here. I'm telling you, this revelation came upon me. The, the Gentiles will no longer be in darkness. They can receive the Savior of their souls. This personal revelation is not only about the gospel being global. It's not only about the gospel for the Gentiles, but it's also about the glory of God. Watch what he does here in the end of that verse of Scripture. He says in verse 32, A light to bring revelation to the Gentiles and the glory of your people, Israel. You know what he was simply saying there? God, just as you said, from the root of David our Savior and Messiah would come from your people who you chose the Jews it would be for their glory but the sadness is they didn't receive him they didn't recognize him they did not understand all that God had but thanks be unto God there was a devout man there was a just man there was a man who was eagerly waiting expecting to see the Messiah. There was an individual that was willing to be led and controlled by the Holy Spirit of God. And when he saw and when he held, he received the Messiah. And he just simply said, I want you to know, he's for the whole world. I love that old song, Go Tell It on the Mountain. I, you know what? I believe when he was singing that, maybe he was the one that first one said that. How about another one, Joy to the World? The Lord has come. Shane and I were talking about this, and he said, well, how about this one? He's got the whole world in his hands. I'm telling you right now, what Simeon saw, what Simeon experienced, I'm telling you is a reflection on what the Holy Spirit of God was speaking into him. Let me ask you a question. Have you received the present of Christmas? Have you received the Lord Jesus Christ into your heart? I'm telling you right now, he's still available today just as he was then. Have you trusted him to be your Savior? I'm telling you, Simeon is singing praises unto God. Not only do we see in the present of Christmas the recipient of the present, not only do we see the reception of the present, but lastly, number three, I want you to see this. I want you to see the reflection upon the present. The reflection upon the present. Notice, if you will, in verse 33. It says here in verse 33, it says, And Joseph and his mother marveled at those things which were spoken of him. I'm telling you, when Simeon got through singing, and Mary and Joseph listened to what was being said and sung about, the Bible says they marveled. That means to wonder. It means to take in account. It means to ponder. Simeon had blessed them. He had spoken truths about them. And there they were, marveling at what has been said. But watch this. And then it goes in the next verse. Then Simeon blessed them and said to Mary, his mother. He blessed them. Being who? The father, Joseph. He blessed Mary, the mother. And he blessed Jesus, the child, the Messiah. He spoke words to them, blessed them. But then all of a sudden, don't miss this. 
You've probably read this a lot of times. I had, and I don't know why, but for some reason, the significance of this had never settled in. It goes in this passage of Scripture, in this narrative, and Luke writing under the inspiration of the Holy Spirit is careful to point out something that we need to pay attention to. He says, Then Simeon blessed him and said to Mary, his mother, not to Joseph, his father, but to Mary, his mother. Could it be that in this prophecy, and by the way, that's what he's fixing to do is prophesize now. He's quit praising, now he's going to prophesy. He says, Mary, there's something that I want you to understand. Mary, there's something that's going to take place in the future. Mary, you need to marvel at this and remember while you're thinking about all these other things, I want you to understand there's something else that's on the way that you need to be prepared for. And he shares three things in this reflection upon the present of Christmas. First off, he said, there is a stone that you need to consider. There is a stone. Notice what he says there in verse 34. He said, and he said to Mary, his mother, behold, this child is destined for the fall and rise of many in Israel. You know what he's simply saying there? He is the stone that was rejected by the builder. He is the individual that would cause people to stumble. Some of those that would receive him, he would raise him up to spend eternity with them forever in heaven. But for those that would stumble over him, that would not recognize him as the Messiah, that would recognize him only as a carpenter from Nazareth. Can any good thing come out of Nazareth? That was, that was what they would say. And no longer would they be able to receive him as a Messiah, but only the child of Joseph and Mary. He said for them, there would be a fall. Those that would reject him would never spend eternity with God in heaven. They would never know the joy of having sins forgiven. They would never experience the peace that the Messiah would bring. But they would spend eternity separated from him forever and ever and ever in a place called hell. See, ladies and gentlemen, I want you to understand something. People come to faith in Christ the same way you and I do. Jews get saved the same way you and I do. Gentiles get saved the same way you and I do. We come by faith in Christ and Christ alone. But he said he would be a stumbling block. But not only would he be a stumbling block, he would also be a sign. Notice what he continues to say there. He said he'll be a fall, be the fall of uh, and rising of many in Israel and for a sign which will be spoken against. The Jews required a sign in order to believe the Messiah was who he was. They required a sign. The Lord Jesus did the sign. That word means miracles. Think about the blind people that he opened up their eyes and they could see. Think about the lame that couldn't walk and now they could not only walk, they could leap. Amen. I'm telling you, think about those that were, were dead and he resurrected from the dead, Jairus' daughter. Amen. But you know what they would say about Jesus? They would say, he is a Beelzebub, the devil. They said things against him. He was a wine bibber. Folks, I'm telling you right now, they would say things about the Lord Jesus Christ. He was the sign. He is the sign. He's the son of God, the miracle, the birth of Jesus Christ. And yet, they would reject him. They rejected a sign, and they spoke against him. There on the day when he came into the Passover, and they began to shout, Hosanna, Hosanna. Blessed be the name of the Lord. And that same crowd that began to shout and praise him is the same crowd that shouted, crucify him as well. They spoke against him. Mary, be prepared. I want you to understand. Your son is the Messiah. But I want you to know, he's a sign of rejection. And the last thing that he spoke to her in prophesying 
was this. In verse 35, yes, a sword will pierce through your own soul also, that the thoughts of many hearts may be revealed. Two things I want you to see here real quickly. We're going to be through. Personally, he spoke to Mary. When I got to thinking about this, I wondered how come he didn't speak to Joseph. Could it be that when this is going to actually take place in time that Joseph is no longer around? Could it be that Joseph has passed away? In my sanctified imagination, I could see that being the case. I don't know for sure if that's what this means, but in my mind, I think it means that to me personally. And the reason why I believe that is because when you think about what he's saying here is going to take place, a sword will pierce through your own soul. Personally, Mary, I want you to understand there is a place called Golgotha, the skull. It's going to be known as Calvary. And on that place, there's going to be a crucifixion. And that crucifixion is going to be your son. He is going to be whipped with a cat of nine tails. He is going to be slapped in his face. His beard's going to be plucked out. The thorns are going to be pierced into his brow. And yet, he's going to be nailed to an old wooden cross, his hands and his feet. He's going to be raised up and set and jarred into the ground. And when that's not enough, Mary, I want you to know he's going to be pierced with a sword, the spear. Mary... It's going to pierce your own soul because this little baby boy that you have laid in my arms, the Messiah that I'm holding, is going to be a man. And you're going to ponder all the love that you have for him and all the joy he's brought to your life. But what they're going to say about him and what they're going to do to him is going to pierce your soul. Not only do we see it personally, but I want you to see it prolifically. Notice what he continues to say, the last thing is simply this, that the thoughts of many hearts may be revealed. You know what he's simply saying there? God knows your heart. God knows my heart. Jesus knows the hearts of individuals. Reminds me of Matthew 7, where Jesus is speaking to them, and he says, not everyone that calls me Lord says, Lord, Lord, shall enter into the kingdom of heaven. I never knew you. Not that I once knew you, but I never knew you. Not that I didn't know your name. No, I never knew you. You know what he's saying there? He said the Messiah is going to reveal the hearts. Those that know him and trust him and those that don't. And you know what's going to be sad about that? There's going to be many thinking they're on the way to heaven. When in reality, they're on their way to hell. I want to close with this illustration and we're done. Christmas. Nineteen eighty four. July the twenty ninth that year. God opened up and revealed my heart to me. Thinking I was on my way to heaven. Because I had done some good things, I had done some religious things. I had been baptized as a 12-year-old. I'd walked an aisle, took a preacher by the hand. 
I'd carried my Bible to school. I'd been made fun of. Called the most religious person that had that ever been met, written in the, my senior annual. And yet, I was so far away from salvation, but I thought I was so close. But on that night, sitting on the sixth row in that chair, with a heart that was being convicted, he said, David, how do you know you was under conviction? It was about to beat out of my chest. There was no peace. I was so uneasy. I mean, there was internal uproar going on inside of me. God said, behold, I want you to see the Messiah. And I said, God, if I'm not your child, would you speak the truth into me? You see, I knew the scripture in Romans 8 where it says, and the Spirit of God will bear witness with your spirit whether or not you're a child of God. I knew that. And I said, God, would you please bear witness with my spirit that I'm your child? Couldn't do it. Couldn't do it. I said, God, where did I miss you? How come I'm not your child? I teach Sunday school. I tithe. I'm an ordained deacon. I'm faithful. God, where did I miss you? And here's what he said. As a 12-year-old little boy, you did walk down that aisle. You did take that preacher by the hand. He said, why have you come? You did say you wanted to be saved. But David, they set you down, filled out a card, and baptized you. Nowhere in that exchange did you turn from your sin and by faith trust me, receive me as your Savior. You never did that, David. I said, God, I've been deceived for so long. And self-deception is worse than deception. I said, God, would you forgive me? Would you forgive me? Would you come into my heart? Would you save me? I receive you as my Savior. And I want to tell you, God began to change things. God began to give me a new perspective on who he was. He gave me a new desire for the Word of God and a love for Him. But on Christmas of 1984, I was asked, what is the greatest present you've ever received? I thought about my two little boys that God had given to me, Jeremy and Daniel, a four-year-old and a two-year-old. Oh, they were such wonderful presence that God had given us. The Bible says they were a gift from God. They were treasures that Don and I had received. I thought about the gift that God had given me through my wife who loved me unconditionally, put up with me and tolerated me and loved me beyond no ends. And I thought that was a wonderful gift. But ladies and gentlemen, I want you to understand the greatest gift that I've ever received was the gift of forgiveness and the gift of the Messiah. And that Christmas in 1984, when we celebrated and we opened up the scriptures and we began to read what Jesus Christ, born of a woman, but given by God, God in the flesh, that's the greatest gift I've ever received. And the reason why he's still given today, the present of Christmas. Have you received it? Have you received him as your Messiah if you have not, you can right now. Let's pray. Heads are bowed and eyes are closed. I don't know who I'm speaking to here tonight. But maybe you've never trusted Christ as your Savior. 
Maybe you were like me. Oh, you were religious. You did good things. But you were trying to be accepted by what you did instead of being accepted for what you've been whom you believe tonight. If you need to receive Christ, the Christmas, the present of Christmas, you can do so right now. From your heart to God's heart, would you simply cry out something like this? Dear Jesus, I confess I'm a sinner. And right now, I'm turning from my sin in myself. And by faith, I'm receiving you into my heart. Come into my heart and be my Savior.